The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Once when Jesus was praying in solitude and the disciples were with him, he asked them, Who do the crowd say that I am? They said in reply, John the Baptist, others, Elijah, still others, one of the ancient prophets has arisen. Then he said to them, But who do you say that I am? Peter said in reply, The Christ of God. He rebuked them and directed them not to tell this to anyone. He said, The Son of Man must suffer greatly and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. Then he said to all, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. The Gospel of the Lord. The other day I picked up the parish pictorial directory from the early 90s and paged through it for a while. I looked through each page, looking at all the, all the pictures, all the families, and all the events that were going on. It was, it was really neat to see, to, to be able to recognize so many faces uh, and to be able to see kind of a, a different aspect of so many of you uh, that I know currently, to be able to see you 25 years ago. Uh, and so... Uh, Let's also go without, goes without saying that the hairdos were pretty awesome. <laughs> but it was interesting to me because, uh, as, as with every single one of us, whenever we come to know a person, we only, we only really know them, we only kind of really understand them in a sense from the point that we got to know them forward. We can, we can learn stories about their past and this sort of thing, but we only know them in a, a particular scope of their own life. Uh, and so for me, it's interesting coming into a parish, you know, getting to know each and all of you, but then also being able to, to look back and to, to see a bigger picture, to see something more, to, uh, something different in the course of the community. And that's what the Lord Jesus wants to do with us today. He does it with the disciples, especially to give them a bigger picture of things. Because so often whenever the disciples would come, whenever the community around Jesus and even us today, when we meet the Lord we sometimes can get tunnel vision where we focus on a certain part of the Lord, a certain part of His ministry, some aspect about Him, or maybe just the part that's most comfortable to us, the most relatable, and we kind of stay there. We, we focus on that part, and we sometimes can forget to see the fuller image of our Lord. And so He comes and He's asking the disciples as they're gathered around, who do, who do people say that I am? What are they saying about me? Do they know me? He said, yeah, some say John the Baptist, others Elijah, others... One of the great ancient prophets has arisen. He says, okay, good. You know, they see, they see the wonder worker part of me. Okay, that's fine and good. Who do you say that I am? It's a question every disciple ought to be asked. We ought to ask ourselves, who do I say that Jesus is? And Peter, being the, the head of the disciples, he responds, you're the Christ, the Son of God. And the Lord acknowledges that. He, today it says in the gospel, he rebuked them and told them not to tell anyone elsewhere. In some of the other gospels, it's accounts in which the Lord says, you know, truly, God has revealed this to you, not human wisdom, but divine. But either way, it's an acknowledgement of, yes, I'm the Lord, I'm the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the one you've been waiting for. 
And so it's easy to, to stop there. If he had stopped there, they would have had a false image. Because so often what was perceived as the Christ or the Savior was one who would come and build an earthly kingdom. We see it all throughout the, the, the disciples' responses as they're, they're talking about very earthly things. And James and John fighting over who gets to be the right and the left hand of, uh, of the Lord when he comes into his power. They're not thinking that he's going anywhere. They're thinking you're going to be the king of Israel, essentially, and we want, we want to be right there with you. But the Lord lets them know that there's more than just the earthly kingdom that he came for. And so he continues. Yeah, I'm the Christ of God. And I'm going to go up to Jerusalem. I'm going to be betrayed by the scribes and the Pharisees, the leading priests of the community. They're going to kill me. They're going to crucify me. I will die, but three days later I will rise up from the dead. What, Jesus? <laughs> I'm okay. I'm comfortable with this, this kingly part. I'm okay with this, this part here that talks about an earthly kingdom where we're going to have you know, power and authority and dominion over, over the people. We're going to rule in the name of the Lord. I'm fine with that, but death? Is that, is that really what you're supposed to do? Again, in one of the other gospel accounts of this, of this, of this passage, uh, Peter, Peter rebukes Jesus, the boldness and foolishness of Peter, where it says, Lord, never, never shall this happen. And he gets that wonderful response, get behind me, Satan. Hmm? He tries to narrow the view of the Lord, to see only a certain part of his life and to allow that to be the truth. But Christ says, no, look at the full image, the full story. The full story is that the life of Christ requires the cross. He could have died a thousand ways. They said simply by the taking on of our flesh, by the drop of one single drop of blood, he could save the entire world. And yet it was deemed by God fitting that he bore a cross. That he died for us. And he does the same for us. Every single one of us is required to pick up our cross. St. Luke adds in the word daily to this. The other two accounts of Matthew and Mark, they just say simply pick up your cross and follow me. St. Luke says daily. That daily journey with the Lord of walking with our cross. The interesting thing is that one only walked with a cross when you were already condemned. When you were walking to your place of death. You were condemned to die. You had already admitted to yourself and to everyone else, I'm done. I have no life. The only life I have left is that which is between me, this current footstep, and the one that ends on the hill. That's the only life I have. And that's the life that Christ calls us to. To be willing to acknowledge that my earthly self has died. And now I live life in Christ. A life of holiness. A life of striving to be like Christ, imperfect as we do it. But one that's willing to be dead to this world so that we can be alive in Christ. One of the things that is difficult for us, certainly we come with many crosses in our life, some of them physical, some are spiritual crosses, some are, 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 are crosses of, of situations that happen, that, that grieve us, that bring weight upon us. But I think the biggest cross that any of us bears is other people, right? The daily cross of walking with others and trying to be like Christ is hard. It's hard because so much of our society today encourages divisions and separations. 
to divide ourselves, to, to block ourselves off from others. Last weekend, of course, you all know the, uh, the tragic shooting in Orlando. It's foolishness, it's hatred, it's sorrowful. But what's even more sorrowful is the reaction of so many in response. Every single thing that happens in this world, it seems, is another opportunity to hold ourselves up even more and to separate ourselves from others even more. Or so the world gives us the, the, the choice, it seems. So many responses in hearing people and their reactions. You have to be one of two camps. You're either with us or you're against us. We find our place where we, where we find the, the group of people who think like us, who believe like us, who live like us, who act like us, who speak like us. And we stay there and we build a nice little comfortable wall around us so that I don't have to deal with them. I don't have to interact with them. I don't have to love them. It's a thing of divisions. Are you with us or against us? LGBTQ plus community. For or against? Guns, for or against? Muslims, for or against? Trump, for or against? Right? Everybody's got an opinion. Are we for or against? And everything is so much about which side are you on? Are you us or are you them? St. Paul responds to that in the reading today. He's writing to the Galatians, and he's acknowledging that even the Christian community in the first days of Christ, of the first days of the church just starting to grow, already there was division. There was the people who were, they were, they were trying to separate themselves in Galatia and the community. To be able to make those distinctions that St. Paul acknowledges, Jew or Greek, male or female, slave or free, was to acknowledge that one had superiority over the other. The Jews were the superior because the Greeks are the one who got the gospel second. Male, the males in society were superior because the, the female was a second class citizen in the sort. The free man was superior because the slave was second class. And all of these things they were trying to say, I'm this and you're that. So as to, to, to so not just simply to acknowledge differences, differences are differences, that means nothing. They were using differences to be able to show equalities, superiority. To be able to say that we're here and y'all are there. And St. Paul responds, that's not how it is in the body of Christ. There's no male or female, Jew or Greek, slave or free. All are one in Christ Jesus. He doesn't say those, are rea- those aren't realities. It's not like everybody's officially a neuter, uh, a neuter person. There's no, there's no you know, sexuality. There's no, there's no history. There's no ethnicity. There's no nothing. No, certainly not. We have to acknowledge those things. But they're not points of separation. Difference, yeah, fine. But not something that ought to divide us. It's something that ought to unite us. To draw us together in Christ. We don't have our big toe and our, and our pinky toe fighting against each other to see which one is more important, do we? They're both needed. They're both important. They both help us walk and to stand up. And so in the body of Christ... To recognize that, yeah, we're all different. Every single one of us, will be, if we found only the people who are exactly like us, every single one of us will be in a nice little bubble by ourselves, unable to deal with any other person in the world, because every one of us is unique. And that's the beauty of the body of Christ. Every one of us brings something to the table. Every one of us is needed in the walk to heaven.
And so as to make sure that we don't have those separations in our own heart. Again, the temptation a lot of times is to, is to separate between us and them and this sort of thing. Because it makes it convenient. Who do I have to love and who do I have to not love? Who do I have to be appreciative to and who can I simply bypass whenever I see them in need? We see it in, the, in, in, in so many of the gospel stories. You know, love God, love neighbor. Who's my neighbor? The one in need. Doesn't matter what they look like. Doesn't matter who it is. If they're in need, that's our neighbor. That's Christ. And we love in the same way as Christ. The way of Christ is a way of suffering when it comes to loving others. It's the way of the cross. Because the place where he showed the world where he loved us most was on two pieces of wood strapped against each other. Covered in his blood. That's where he shows us love. And then he says to us, come behind me. Offer yourself daily, daily on the cross for love of others, for love of them, right? It can be a difficult thing. Again, it's the cross. But how does the Lord invite us to respond? With humility, with joy, and with charity. I found this quote earlier in the week from St. John Bosco. It's a quote about the Lord Jesus and the ways in which he loves and St. John said this, said this was the method that Jesus used with the apostles. He put up with their ignorance and roughness, and even their infidelity. He treated sinners with a kindness and affection that caused some to be shocked, others to be scandalized, and still others to hope for God's mercy. And so he bade us to be gentle and humble of heart. Remember the gospel, was it last weekend or the weekend before, where Jesus is dining in the house of Simon the Pharisee. And the woman comes and she starts to weep at his feet and to wash his feet with her tears and dry them with her hair. And Simon says in his heart, if this man were truly a great prophet, he would know what kind of woman this is. She's one of them. She's one of the sinners. And yet the Lord does know. And he loves. Much to the shock, much to the confusion, much to the scandal of those around him. They didn't understand how Jesus could love someone like that. Someone like them. And yet, that's what he does. Because in the end, it calls every one of us to hope in the mercy of God. So when we come up against someone who is different than us, who may be the them in our own life, how do we respond? We respond in the same way as Christ. To love regardless if they love us, to forgive regardless of whether they're sorry or not and things that may be happening between us, to be able to bite our tongue when it would be so much easier to say something. So often our temptation first, whenever something happens that can be a cause of, a cause of separation or division, so often the temptation is to think immediately the worst, to think of a malicious heart doing things intentionally. Why not for us to give them every benefit of the doubt and to make excuses for them? To go out of our way to excuse them over and over and over again, just like Jesus on the cross. Forgive them, Father. They know not what they're doing. If they understood, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. They don't understand. To make excuses, even in the midst of our crucifixion. It's the way of Christ. And is it hard? <laughs> Yes, 
why he says, pick up your cross daily and follow after me. Because he knows it's the cross. And for someone else, the cross is you and the cross is me. And that's the joy of being members of the body of the Christ. As we come together, we follow after the Lord together. We suffer together. And in the end, we rejoice in the glory of the resurrection together. And so we pray. Jesus, meek and humble of heart, make our hearts like unto thine.